0: Hi, everyone. This is Tony Holbein from GrowBlox. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to uncover problems you didn't even know existed using a go-to-market assessment. We discussed this with Anna Suga. He is head of analytics here at GrowBlox, and he will take us through this topic today.
1: Enjoy. We fool around if you listen to the show if Which you listen to the show ever it, actually
2: i did before i got the job right
1: oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh it's enough
0: <laughs> it's enough I so I you know we had part of the intro already in
2: part of you it. know
0: and not you know then we could have said did you record part that would have been like a great
1: <laughs> i did record when you said that
0: i know i think yeah, i think we're in the middle of it right yeah
1: now, yeah actually. that's what the pros do they record everything everything And the thing is, what's so nice about having a guest in the studio is we can actually listen to the intro music. I thought you were going to say, you don't need to look at me. (laughs) Well, also that, also that. No, the thing is, it's uh, what I reflected over going into uh, recording with uh, you two gentlemen this morning was, you know what, we've had some really, really great guests here. And now? We've had (laughs) (laughs) Jakob Sam Jacobs, Chris Walker, Chris Orla, yeah. you know, all the big like top shelf. And then we're like, who else can we get? Like, Let's get Anas. So Anas <laughs> is here on the show. So yeah. you <laughs> basically ran out of That's list. It.
2: <laughs> The list ran out. Boy, it's oh, different
1: dude. to have someone in the studio. We're used to this yeah. being remote, looking at a camera with a 10 second delay. You have so much time to kind of listen and respond. But anyway, we have Anas here today. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you actually do? You're uh, working with us at Growblocks, but what do you actually do here, Anas?
2: So uh, I'm leading the, uh, kind of like the analytics team and implementation team here at Growblocks, right? So uh, basically helping our customers uh, get up and running as quick as possible in Growblocks. Mm-hmm. And also then um, help them uh, become successful, basically, analyzing the funnel end to end.
0: And I think as, as part of the onboarding, there's a bit of a training session, basically, with you know, some of the users of the customer, where we basically kind of do something akin to um, a go-to-market assessment, mm. right? and i think this is this is part of uh, part of the process that you're obviously leading with uh, with newly onboarded customers
1: and uh, and i think that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today yeah i mean uh, we kind of discussed this was a subject we really wanted to dive into And as always, we looked at each other and said, are you an expert on this? Like, no, am I? I was like, no. I mean, I said, I I could pull it off. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) We can get it done. We're not going to be pleased, but we're going to get it done. So we were like, let's actually bring Anas in because you've done quite a few of these assessments. Mm. And we want to be able to tell some real stories, not just sit in our ivory tower, which we, by the way, really enjoy. Mm. We want to get some real stories out there, what it is, why it matters. Mm. And that's what we're going to get into today. I mean, maybe just a a little bit of a tee up because I prepared, I did my homework here. Did you? Did you know? As always. So there's been a lot of benchmarks and research being dropped over the last five, six months because of the times we're in. And recently, uh, OpenView was the latest to the party with their annual SaaS benchmarks. And uh, you and I also discussed it recently in an episode. I think to kind of bottom line it, the cost of growth has just gone through Mm. the roof. So we talked about CAC Payback is now... Mm. Longer It takes longer to recoup your mm. customer acquisition mm. costs. And it's gotten really, really difficult. Mm. And that's why I thought, hey, you know, maybe doing actually a go-to-market assessment would be a pretty smart thing to do at this point in time because mm. things have changed so much, right? Yes, <laughs> definitely. And, and I think, and maybe you can comment on this,
0: I think kind of this, this change, we've also... I mean, you see this in those benchmarks. Yes. um you see it talking to people, but we also see it with our customers, right? Kind of uh, teams we had uh, from a year ago and how they went to market. very different, very different from from how it's working out today. I don't know, maybe you have like a story to tell there kind of on on that end kind of how how that has kind of progressed over the last twelve months.
2: yeah, but we are I think it's spot on right? because we are definitely seeing that our customers are getting extremely focused on getting more out of every single dollar they invest. so the the focus on efficiency is simply just going up, right? And it's just a difficult thing to do because you've been running the business for, let's say, three, four, five, six years, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, you need to do things differently. And that's just super freaking hard. It's easy to do what you used to do, but understanding and figuring out what to do differently, it's a technique, it's a method, and not everybody gets this.
0: Yeah. And would you say that, for example, a go-to-market assessment, we're Mm. going to kind of dive into this in in a little bit, would you say that that's a good tool to maybe... Uh, you know, I don't want to say kind of clean canvas, but look at look at your go-to-market with, you know, fresh <laughs> eyes again, so to speak, mm. and then ask some difficult questions um, and maybe use those difficult questions to maybe tweak some things in order then to become more efficient.
2: It's definitely a starting point, I would say. Uh, I don't think it's the, the full story because the problem with the, the go-to-market assessment is that you're only looking backwards, right? You're only looking at your past performance. And sometimes you also need the visionary. Where is the market going to go? Mm-hmm. The past data is not going to sell that. But the to market assessment is a, is a good facilitator to, f- to figure out where should we focus, where should we at least f- uh, drive the conversation on figuring out how to grow better, faster, more efficient going forward. And we're definitely seeing some of these uh, some of our companies uh, that we work, that work, that work with that they simply struggle to get to this because they don't necessarily have the capabilities in-house or they haven't done it before, right? And therefore, they are looking to someone like us, right, to actually try to come with the, from the outside in perspective and help them identify where are we are dropping the ball
0: who do you think in an organization might be might be a good profile to you know it might let's just say they're listening to this mm. and they're giving a little bit hey this is the the blueprint this is the framework yes. that I should be going about this who in an organization would be a good person to to kind of make this go-to-market assessment
2: it needs to be someone who's unbiased mm. and well i'm I'm biased. So I would always say it's the web ups should be doing it because they are typically the unbiased party, right? They have, don't have a sales target, they don't have a, a marketing budget, they don't have a CS uh, target uh, for them, right? So they are typically unbiased. They typically look at it from a, they don't need to protect that, the team, right? They can actually go out and look at it from a, yeah, an unbiased perspective on where should they be focusing if they were driving the business. But again, I think also what's important is that they need to also have the mandate because if they just do this uh, this little assessment in an isolation uh, for, without having to buy-in from either the COO to CFO or someone else, then it's not going to go anywhere.
0: And maybe kind of one, one step further, right? I mean, you've been working at companies like Templify out of mm. the Nordics. You've been working for Unity. Mm. Um, that's, you know, not mm. out small, of the Nordics small anymore, small but you know, it's like, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a, um Have you done similar assessments, maybe not the same scope and scale, <clears> uh, but have you done similar assessment and kind of, Coming out of this, did your did your position and you know the the way you kind of were received in that organization did that change with it right because it's yes. to a degree it's a it's suddenly a very strategic thing that someone is telling me about my business if I was CEO right mm. kind of, did did this happen actually
2: yes it definitely did. Um, but I th- also think it was something I was very focused on, especially in my Templify days, right? So Templify, I joined Templify when it was like a one-man team, more or less, in the RevOps department. And I built a lot of that stuff out together with Olofor, also part of GrowBlocks today. Mm-hmm. And when we started to actually start uh, to conduct these go-to-market assessments, with the, we didn't call it go-to-market assessment at that point in time. Mm-hmm. We just It was just like a business analysis we did. Mm-hmm. But we actually managed to move the business around, and we were to, we did become the trusted advisor for the CEO. We were anchored, uh, when Olofor was there, right? I was anchored with Olofor. But otherwise i was anchored with the cfo mm-hmm. and we became this like trusted advisor in like what should we be doing differently so basically this goes market assessment drew, drove a completely new focus on which type of customers we target targets because we knew where we we're good at winning what chance we we're good at winning at them and then we were deploying cash that way that way so mm-hmm. it completely changed the way we they were thought and therefore based on that we started to drive much more effective qbrs mbrs going forward because now we monitor specifically against the things we identified
0: yeah I mean it almost goes kind of a little bit into um, into kind of the, the the execution cadence behind this, mm. but would you say it's a it's specifically a planning thing or is it a thing that can be done in the middle of the year or needs to be done before the plan? Or kind of how do you how do you think about this?
2: So ideally, perfect scenario should be done before you head into the next plan for next year. Because the, the purpose of the go to market assessment is to identify your must-win battles for next year mm-hmm. um, you need to make sure that all the troops are lined around that fixing the biggest erosions or the biggest leakages you have in your go-to-market funnel and you need to agree as a company these are the priorities and there needs to be at least one for every single team That's so one for marketing one for sales one for uh, for CS that should be talking so that is the one must-win battle and then you use your, your operating cadence afterwards with the NBRs and QBRs and f- to follow up on those particular initiatives right And that doesn't mean that that's the only thing you should be doing for a year because then you, of course, identify new stuff as you go through. Because once you fix one problem, another one will pop up. Mm
1: -hmm. So I'm like, dang it, folks are almost done planning or at least very deep in it. Is it still worthwhile to do it? Like, how would you do it at this point in time where we are towards the end of the year? Is there a case to be made that you can do it I'm probably doing it meanwhile planning is too much but right yeah. after like is, is that going to be okay is that going to yeah, drive 100%. any value for
2: the business 100% yeah, you can always do it off cadence as well the reason why I'm saying is that it's, it's good to do before planning is simply because then you can also allocate budget to it it's, mm. it's a little bit more challenging once the budgets are locked in right um, but when budgets are open it's, it's it's free season yeah after the budgets are locked in you have more limited resources to actually do this that means you need to make more sacrifices um, but that doesn't mean it's not helpful
0: mm. I, I do believe <clears throat> so I would say in almost every single case that I've seen, there is, um, mm. you know, a bo- where people are doing a bottom-up plan, which is mm. not everyone, uh, mm. but the teams that do, the modern teams that do, that get a bottom-up plan uh, going, uh, they usually end up having a bit of a gap between the bottom-up yes. and the top-down, right? Yes. So um, then, you know, negotiation starts and stuff, but at the end of the day, we can call it the stretch or the gap plan mm. that basically kind of then is being <clears throat> presented, right? Yes. And um, what I've seen in most cases, even the really, really best teams, we're talking Mm. Gong, we're talking Freshworks and stuff. Yeah. These guys are still like, well, finance just says this conversion rate needs to, Mm. right? And and that's now the gap plan. But we don't actually have a clue how to kind of Mm. achieve that. I think in an assessment like this, once you're done planning, and you're right, I think you're a bit more constrained. Mm. But an assessment like this, once you're done planning, can still help you to figure out. Well, you know, what can we actually do to close yeah. that gap, right? Yes. What is what is the real gap plan going to look like yes. outside of the uh, the assumptions that finance mm. steamrolled into us because yes. they're more powerful part of the organization mm. um, at that stage of the organization, mm. right? Yes. Um. So that's that's I think how I sometimes think about it. Um. Uh, in terms of the assessment, and mm-hmm. um, I sometimes also feel it's really good to have. You know, fresh eyes on this. So, if you have a, if you're hiring a new REVOS person, maybe you know, a little bit, it should be a bit more senior. I would say director level, you know, and up. Consider giving this his or her, you know, early on task. Yes. I right? kind of fresh eyes in the organization. Kind of do it with them. Yes. Could be the same with the CRO or VP of revenue, mm. uh, rev revenue, basically, right? And yes, it could be an external as well, right? Mm. Um, I think for us, it's. You know, this is not a, a, a standalone package that we're selling or something like this. It's kind of, you know, as part of the journey. Mm. Um, but there are also a couple of, you know, from our partners um, mm. like mm. Kramansky or like uh, in, in, in the German-speaking region or Winning by Design and so forth mm. um, that probably can do these things actually yeah, yeah, exactly. kind of as a one-off for you.
2: Yes. Yeah? But I also think it's also a little bit of a an acquired skill that is a lot of reverse people don't know how to do this so today. And this, that's also, I think, one of the reasons why we're doing it the way we do it here at GrowBlocks. That is, we're actually teaching. It's kind of like a small academy. We don't call it an academy, but it's actually kind of an academy. So once you understand that you have the funnel, how do you then look at it and analyze it on an ongoing basis to identify where you're dropping the ball, basically? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah.
1: So you kind of said most people don't have the skills to do this. Hmm? Let's let's give them some of those skills now. Yes. Um, <laughs> and get a bit into So we mentioned this go-to-market assessment mm. a couple of times. Can you just help us clarify... What is it exactly? What does it consist of? Mm. Um, Let's get a bit tangible here for the listener.
2: Yeah. When people say go to market assessment, many think about the new best funnel specifically because Mm. that's the most typically the one that's the the most mapped out, right? There's more stages, more handovers, blah, yada, yada, yada. So let's focus on that one first. So, what is it? Well, basically, what happens happens is that you you typically want to monitor every single handover that happens in the sales funnel. That means from traffic until you actually capture that one, right? That's the first one. And then you go through. You need to um, look at every single stage where there's a handover happening and understand, are we dropping the ball at this particular point and why? For instance, it could be a very clear case that we typically see is that there is simply a lack of process around to some of the most expensive type of leads you're getting. That's from the inbound, the inbound channel, right? We work with a company um, not... That long ago, I think it's a couple of months ago, actually, where we where we did this assessment. And for some reason, right, they were the conversion rates of the the MQLs were going down. And when we actually went a little bit below the fold, it was all the trial leads that were simply going down. And what happened was that it was basically because it was a lack of process and inconsistent handling by uh, junior SDRs on the team, which led to a completely downwards trend on the conversion rate to uh, to meetings booked throughout the year. Mm. And it is just a it's just a very, very classic example of what you actually find doing the the go to market assessments, right?
0: Yeah. So and I think it's um, to degree in this case, right? Was also, um, you know, everyone looks at conversion rates and stuff. I mean, mm. this is this is not, oh wow, yes, now I know it. But I think what we found is very few people look at the segmented yes. conversion rates, yes. right? And very few people look at those segmented conversion rates over time, yes. And you basically kind of need to be seeking out that kind of mm-hmm. information to sometimes find it. And I think in this case, um, they were just, you know, without knowing was kind of this, you know, frog in boiling water or in cold water and then boiling kind of situation where they, they were just trending down mm. over a year's time. Yes. right. Yes. And um, basically kind of in that go-to-market assessment, uh, the idea was, well, you know, let's, let's unblend the marketing mm. funnel. Let's see how all of those different, you know, streams are working yes. out. And then see there, we found the the conversion rate piece that was exactly. deteriorating exactly. kind of over a year, and was a significant amount of money. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. the, I mean, to your point, right? So it's it's obviously not just the the sales funnel, right? Kind of it's it's everything mm. marketing and sales, kind yes. of new biz, right? Yes. There are, there are lots of different handovers, some between people, yes. I feel, and some just between stages yes. or something like this. And they, you know, those steps give you really really insightful clues, yes. right? So. Yes, one is the conversion rate. Yes, uh, Others can also be just the time delay. Yes, like Just yesterday we looked at uh, one assessment mm. where I think we saw MQLs to opportunities from inbound be like a month and a half or yes. so. Like oh. yes. And it's like, so either there is a data problem and then that also needs to be fixed, right? Yes. Then, you know, let's deploy a project, figure yes. out what this is. Or there's something else
2: going on yeah, right exactly. because
0: this was not the typical white paper download that takes, no, a, it no. takes a nurture month or something like this those were like trial requests or something like that
2: right? mm. so I completely agree so basically yeah, it is actually what the Market session is just allowing you to fully understand what is actually happening throughout the funnel mm. where are you not making why are you not performing where you would want to do or what you want to be also based on external uh, past performance but also ex- external benchmarks right there are typically some guidelines you can also get on terms of what how many opportunities you should typically win? basically. Yeah. And then to Tony's point, it's super important that you also do this by channel. And also when you are in the channel, even if you're green on the top level, even if you're doing great, there's always something going wrong. Mm. So always go below the fold. Always go in and look, is it, a, is it one of the different trial, different uh, sorry, different lead types you're getting in? Is the BDRs in one region not performing as expected, right? Is the quality of those opportunities they create as a, uh, of a lower quality than the other regions, right? So always go below the fold. You need to go deep.
0: And I think one cool sign that we found
2: um, was actually
0: when you see conversion rates with large amounts, mm-hmm. so let's just say you have you know, significant sample size, if you see those conversion rates to be um, spiky, yes, like if they're almost erratic, they're going up and then mm-hmm. down and then up again and down again, we, we were scratching our heads actually kind of without having talked to the customer kind of at that point, mm. um, you know, about this specific problem and like, why, why is this happening? How, yes. how can it go up and down all the time? Right. And this is where you just have this, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees kind of situation. And we talked with the customers like, well, it's, you know, this one person is managing this and he or she has been, you know, a bit grumpy yes. <laughs> <laughs> and was on vacation here. Yeah. And, and what we learn basically when you see spiky conversion rates it's usually a people problem it's it's yeah, usually it's like a-, a problem that's connected to you know how people you know you know run the process in a different way and then it's suddenly leading to different results yeah. which by the way is scary but also fucking awesome because it does tell you that by beha- changing your behavior you can actually improve or you mm. know uh, kind of make things yes. work to a degree right yes so I think kind of these these topics, right? Let's just call them go-to-market erosion or revenue mm. leakage. You know, those are topics I think uh, when you when you uncover them in a in a stable business that's growing, those are nice improvement pieces to mm. find, and they compound over time, right? But actually, sometimes we also run into bigger findings actually that are kind of going a bit deeper than just, oh, your conversion rate is trailing a little mm. bit off, and and uh, maybe you kind of look at that.
2: Yeah, exactly, because it's a. Once you have actually identified where there's the problem, the solution is not always easy. We worked with a different client uh, not that long ago, actually, where they was they continued to again their opportunity to one conversion rate com- continued to tank. Right, they were going down and down and down and down, and they couldn't figure out how. And the head of sales was saying, "Yeah, well, it's because my AEs are overworked." But uh, you know, then we looked at the numbers as well, and they simply were not hitting target. Right. So when we then went deep into it, it was just like the, simply the unit economics of that business did not really support uh, that many AEs. So there, you actually need to take a step back in order to fix the problem. You actually do, need to do something fundamentally different, and that was to actually remove the volume and do something different with it. Mm. And those type of changes can be scary because it means you need to do something you haven't done before. And that's where making sure to seek external sparing. If you haven't done this motion before, haven't done this change before, make sure you have someone to talk to before you pull the trigger. And also run your what-if scenarios because if this does not deliver, you need to understand why and why it didn't deliver. Yeah, clear expectations.
0: And I think in this this case was um, still happy customer and everything. This case is pretty pretty interesting actually because I think they're um, still before the ten million mark, right? Mm-hmm. They're still in this go to market you know fit kind of space, mm-hmm. and for them it's really you know they have been getting to you know where they're where they're mm-hmm. now uh, with this motion and that's yes. great. But now they're putting more fuel on the fire and suddenly mm-hmm. these things are breaking, right? Very exactly. very very common scenario actually, and now it's you need to kind of prepare for. Not just the unscalable mm. time, but for the scalable time, mm. and suddenly this um, this approach uh, might just not be the right thing anymore, yes. right? And with them, it basically was well the 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 volume game that you're running and and having kind of people in here and so forth. You know, economically, that actually might not work out for mm. for the deal size or whatever, right? Mm. Kind of we talk about ACVs and, and motions and so forth. And then we're basically starting to work with them on, well, you know, since you're splitting, you know, you could be splitting the funnel like this. And then, you know, these pieces, you should be figuring out, you know, whether that might be the right thing for the AEs to work on. Yes. And this other stuff, boring, you know, maybe this needs to be a a more light touch, low Mm. touch, PLG kind of motion. Yes. And I think you guys also did... Because to a degree, there there was a sample size where there was actually running a little bit of you know low touch already. If I you know don't mix up kind of different customers right now, you could basically kind of hey, if this here mm. could be then uh, applied across a wider margin, yes. how would that then actually turn out? Mm. Right? Well, maybe you can um, uh, actually, elaborate a little bit more on this.
2: That's actually an, an, that's actually so it's actually true, right? So they did have a the PLG motion, right? They were did have customers signing up themselves, buying the product, and yada yada yada. The challenge was that they have tried to move more stuff into the PLG motion before, and they hadn't, they hadn't really succeeded in that, right? So the PLG was more like an afterthought, right? So they were still very much sales led, mm-hmm. but the matter of the fact is that they were simply unable to run an efficient machine if they continue to rely on sales led. Mm-hmm. So what we actually did together with this particular customer was we uh, we deployed what we what we typically do, which is called we call it like the effectiveness framework. That means you need to understand on a granular level what are you getting out of every single unit you get in? It can be leads, it can be opportunities, it doesn't matter. And the way you do it is actually quite simple. So you take your ability to convert that unto, in, until one, so either MQL to one or opportunity to one, multiplied with ACV. That gives you the expected output of unit you get in. You also then need to understand, if you also have a gross retention rate problem, right? Is there a are you now getting the right type of customers in as well? So consider like a two by two classic consulting approach, right? Mm. You have a top right corner, that's where you want to be, lower left corner, no, go mm. away. And by using this methodology, we actually were very, very clear that everything they closed below a certain threshold, I can't remember if like 80 customers, something like that, sales shouldn't touch it. It was simply, they were unable to do anything meaningful with people below 80, mm. simply because the ACs were too small the to opt- one conversion rate is too low, and they would never be able. They would have to work an insane amount of opportunities.
0: And I think this, so to bring it back for the audience, right? So this might be if you're in a go-to-market fit kind of conundrum right now. Mm. I think this is mm. this is a very kind of tangible mm. example. But but equally so, because what I think is really going on with, you know, uh, growth at all costs is gone, you mm. know, the golden age of B2B SaaS yeah. is over, all of this, you know, mm. doom and gloom and fear-mongering what really is happening is kind of a a reset of your go-to-market fit. That's actually what's happening. So I think a lot of organizations that are, you know, hey, you know, we have product market, we have go-to-market fit, now it's just scale, 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 scale. These guys between 10 and 100 million, Mm. guess what? You you kind of need to reconfigure your go-to-market fit right now, right? Um, And this kind of consideration then kind of plays into this, right? Because you now need to think about this not as a, um, let's just get, you know, money in for whatever mm. cost. You need to hey, this kind of needs to be, you know, I don't want to say the P word, but it needs to be profitable to a degree here, yes. right? Whether it's in the real financial sense or it's just mm. in an economic sense, yes. right? And then kind of saying, well, this segment doesn't actually make sense for us. Mm. We're losing money. Yes. And, you know, we need to find another way to capture some of that value, Sometimes knowing we will capture less of that value mm. because maybe PLG doesn't convert as well as, yes. as account executives, which, and now I'm kind of almost jumping into the next thing here, um, which sometimes also is just untrue, right? I think we had like one one customer, uh, we still have that one customer, but kind of, the, kind of we had that conversation with them where... Everything was kind of handled by AEs mm. um, because the AEs weren't getting enough anymore. Kind of mm. there was this typical scarcity thing, so mm. everything was pushed to the AEs. Uh, tell us that story. I think I think you know which I'm.
2: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So um, it's actually quite interesting, right? So again, yeah. So as you say, Tony, right? The, what was happening was that yeah, the AEs were simply not getting enough volume to hit that quota. So of course they were starting to fish in other pools mm. of uh, opportunities, and they were starting to dip into. Uh, to the classic uh, trials, right? Mm -hmm. So those actually sign up and they want to try the product themselves. And actually what happened was that it was actually hampering the business because yes, they were winning more once they actually became an opportunity at a higher ACV, so surface uh, value was actually pretty good. But when we took the full funnel conversion into consideration, they were actually converting at below half of the PLG motion. And therefore, the, the gain on the ACBs were completely lost, right? They were actually getting the exact amount of yield out per single unit they got in on the MQL level. But you still then also then had the sales cost on top, made <laughs> it significantly more inefficient, and you also eroded your expansion motion afterwards. So
0: I think the last one is the crazy piece, actually. Yeah. Because you basically, I don't know, let's just say you get a 1,000 leads, mm. And everything to sales or split gets you yes. the same amount of revenue out of it. Yes. Fewer customers higher ACV in the sales world, mm-hmm. basically. And the opposite the you know on the PLG side. But basically what we're then able to, you know, we ran through the model basically. What we were then able to see is like, well, all of those small ACVs that mm-hmm. come through PLG, they are basically kind of upselling eventually to I'm not not a hundred percent on top. Like not 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 but like 40 percent on top, yes. right? And basically what you would be, you know, in this way, what you would be able to do is you have the same net revenue growth Mm -hmm. on the Nubis side. Mm -hmm. You pay less money for it Mm -hmm. and your upsell and churn numbers will look better. Exactly. Right?
2: (laughs) It's it's, uh, spot on.
0: But it is so damn counterintuitive to look at really, we're talking the full, full funnel here. We're not talking just kind of newbiz. We're talking also existing business. and, And many people with the tunnel vision of, hey, you know, Tony, we listen to you. It's not just pipeline and forecasting. We get Mm. it. You also need to look at the ACVs and Mm. the conversion rate and the sales cycles. Even if you only look at that, you would have come to the wrong conclusion. You would have said like the sales team, they're knocking it out of the park. This PLG thing doesn't work. But really, you know, by expanding it, you know, further into mm. the marketing world into the seers world yes suddenly the picture became clear and it's like oh shit what what do we do here right? I mean, exactly i mean that was a little bit the feeling on the call right yeah. when kind of when when you guys kind of unveiled this and walked the team through mm. the through the analysis this was a little bit like oh shit!"
2: Yeah, right? yeah exactly and that's also why it needs to be done by an unbiased partner right because if you if this is done by the one who's actually owned this stuff now, exactly. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, they're it's talking about the team size, yeah. right? All of a sudden, his like real realm of domain is getting smaller because yeah. you're moving stuff into a complete new team, with is the growth team or whatnot, right? And it's actually not the only customer we have seen. This actually quite uh, across now quite a few customers where this whole thing around sales versus PLG is simply just clashing, right? We had a simple, another case where it's exactly the same. There it was just more about that they were afraid of moving into PLG and they didn't actually fully understand how effective their PLG motion was. And they had the same growth problem. They simply could not get more out of the stuff they had. But if they actually moved the, revenue, the, the volume over to PLG, they could significantly increase the expected output for every single MQL they were generating, mm. which is pretty amazing.
1: So this is really the power of going beyond just... Having a couple of dashboards that show yes. you your funnel yes. at the end of the day. So I think we've had some great examples now of why it why it's important to look at the full bow tie, really your mm. full funnel, uh, both newbies and also with mm. the retention side, right? If we get a bit practical here, it sounds like quite a lot of steps you need to take. Can we kind of maybe distill it into if there's a listener out there who's, who's considering, hey, this is something, yeah, we should definitely do this because there's some things we're not sure about. Yeah. What would be the steps to take in order to build such a such a assessment?
2: hmm good question so it really depends on everything comes down to your data right so if you don't have your data on the control is going to be damn hard for you to do this type of analysis if you're just getting started just understand the big blocks understand your leads understand your ops understand your one just those three stages stages alone will give you a lot of information and you don't need to have it all hooked up you can do a um, you can start by just having the doing a, a a simple assessment where I say, let me look at the last uh, six months worth of leads. Let me look at the last six months worth of opportunities. I don't care if they're the same cohort. Just look at those, how they convert, and then try to see if you can get at least some kind of like splits on them, like a channel, region, whatever makes sense for your business. They do that. St- those stages alone will give you a lot of information. But of course, if you want to get very smart, you need to identify every single handle in your funnel. And if you don't have this tracking that you need to focus on getting that tracking built in for next year. That's your must win battle, basically.
0: Mm. So, but I think it's, it's there are two different dimensions to this, actually, because, you know, I, I kind of see this a lot. It's like, well, but that's not that freaking difficult. So why, you know, because the thing is really, well, you know, can I have a BI dashboard or spreadsheet mm. with all the leads, all mm. the opportunities, all the one deals? Mm. That's kinda you know, people can do that, right? Mm. Demo request, trial and so forth, kind of that's actually not the problem. I think the the problem starts when you want to connect all of them together. Yes. Meaning not connect to the data source to kind of get it automatically updated Mm. so you you skip the data, you know, dump. That's not what I'm talking about, but you know, when you know those stages actually are connected and coming to life. That's 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 the trick, right? Because Mm. now you're starting to have what we would call, you know, a model, yes. right? That you can tweak and play with, and yes. kind of suddenly, you know, when it goes beyond the point of you getting it all mm. in your head, suddenly you will see, you know, behavior that you didn't expect. Yes. And this is to a degree. This is kind of where learning basically kind of kicks in, mm. right? And and I think when we're doing this, it's not that um, oh, we're playing around with the data and then boop, some, something crazy happens. We're like, oh, let's tell that to the customer. Mm. Um, there's always a kind of some some guiding also around mm. it, right? And and yes, kind of you need to have your data under control. I think you need mm. to focus on the handovers. Kind of there's mm. lots of gold hidden in your in, in the conversion yes. steps, right? Yes. And conversion rates. But I feel there's also another piece here that is layered on top that we're kind of neglecting to say, right? There's like um, I want to say you know there's a there's a there's a large amount of like experience. Looking at this stuff, yes, 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 There's a large amount of pattern recognition that happens, and then there's just like hundreds of different benchmarks that are kind of tattooed into our brains by now. Mm. Where we're not, where we're not spending uh, crazy amounts of time. So for example, yesterday, right? Kind of, we we sent something to uh, basically kind of to a, one of our partners. You know, preparing a pitch for for their client, and I don't know how much time we spend on this. Like half an hour, an hour. I don't yes. know. Uh, but we basically looked at the funnel. We're like, hey, for this ACV band, this conversion rate over here looks bad, mm. right? Hey, for uh, you know, for for this this outbound thing here, and they're only kind of doing so much in kind of mm. value, they should be having a higher whatever, mm. right? And how how is that? How can this actually work economically? You know, you know, I think it's it's unfair to just tell everyone, hey, let's have those leads and opportunities and one deals and let's work on the conversion rate and make sure it's kind of connected. And you click a button and then you sit there and say like, well, I think we should switch to PLG, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think this is a little bit unfair, right? Because 100%. there's, I think we have kind of the, you know, the the, the simple level of yes, yes you connect, you know, have those opportunities, you see how they behave, mm. you see those conversion rates, you yes. catch them, you know, go to market erosion, go yes. fix it. Then you have these strategic shifts, almost mm. where it's like, "Hey, this can't work out. Mm. Now, this is just not going to work. So, kind of, we need to change things around." And some of that is based on really the value really comes out on the first two by having some of the experience, some of this uh, yes. muscle memory around how an engine actually should, you know, ideally be behaving. Right. Hundred percent. Hundred
2: percent. How do we?
0: How do you help people get that though? <laughs>
2: Anas, come on, tell it. You know, well, that's only for training, right? That's why we're doing the uh, the onboarding of the customers the way we do it, right? So yeah. it's not just about implementation; it's actually handholding them through the process. So yeah. you know, getting them running, make sure that we and we actually run a full ghost market assessment as part of the onboarding. Yeah. It's not because we want to tell them where they should potentially focus, but it's actually for teaching them. Like we're doing it like live, like mm-hmm. clicking through. This is how we will go methodically go around actually identifying potential root cause or issues, mm-hmm. right? In the in the business.
1: So I think you also said something interesting. There's the whole I- experience is a massive factor and in yes. being able to spot some of these risks and challenges yes. and et cetera so fast. But there's also the other side of the coin which is data only will tell you a part of the story. Mm. Is there also a leg to the exercise that's actually then so back to this whole sales Uh, working the trials, is there also a leg to actually talking with some of the folks about what is, how are you doing it, what's happening to kind of get some of the things that the data can't capture?
2: Yes, 100%. So, again, data is always only backwards looking. It's Mm -hmm. only quantitative. So, if you are doing a tectonic shift in, in your business, like moving a significant amount of volume from one motion to another motion. I was al- I would always do a qual a qualitative session, but at least with someone that is actually understand that part of the business, because it might be there's actually something happening that you cannot move over. It might be that this type of client needs a touch, right? And that's something data won't tell. It's only that's just a spreadsheet exercise, yeah. and it's not gonna it's not gonna fly unless you do your homework and also talk to the people who's actually on the fro- on the floor.
1: Yeah, it's it's so funny. I've been in those conversations where it's like, congratulations, we doubled your budget for Google, and I'm like. Yeah, I can't use that money. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, I totally buy that. Yeah. So we've given some of the backgrounds to why you should do the assessment, mm-hmm. what, what it is, and some of the steps you can take. Then once you've actually conducted it, there's also an exercise of uh, potentially some uncomfortable conversations you yes. need to have. Like, how do you go about actually presenting it? Because it can be a very complex thing, I imagine, for someone to see for the first time.
2: Yeah, so it typically helps putting a dollar amount on it. So... <laughs> Because it, once people know what the value of this is, it's easy to prioritize. Mm-hmm. So once you identify an issue, a group of issues, run your what-if scenarios, what if you actually manage to achieve this? What is the, what is the value that you're going to get from the, in the business out of it? And is it worth it? Is it worth the cultural impact if you have to let go of people and yada, yada, yada? So those things are really important to understand, like revenue impact. Because then all of a sudden, you know, you have a growth target next year. Is this sacrifice worth it? Is this change worth it? And it's gonna help you get close to the target. It's also gonna make it significantly easier if you want to, if you actually need to invest money to have to facilitate the conversation with the with the finance team, right? I need money to do this. The ROI is good because of these assumptions. The business case is already made for you. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's also important that you don't do this analysis in isolation you need to have them on uh, in there from the beginning they need to be on the journey because otherwise the, the first reaction is going to be defensive mm. right you're going to touch something that they own why are you doing that so if you include them early in the journey as well then you also make sure that they actually are going to be more receptive of the change
0: i think it makes sense and then so let's just say you you get to the end of that presentation and everyone is like okay this thing is half a million this thing is five mm-hmm. million, this is three million you can always attach like confidence levels and that yeah, yeah. kind of stuff. Kind of whether you can actually execute yes. the change. But you kind of have your prioritised list coming out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Is this then is this then, you know, a task list, a project list that The the team basically should be working. Kind of is that how you would be able to kind of uh, then execute this in the end?
2: Yes, I would definitely treat this like a project list. I wouldn't like have a long list of this is all everything we should do. I think I would pick one or two per department that they should be focusing on as the must win battle for the next quarter, half year, year, Mm. depending on the complexity. And then that's what we follow up on. That's Mm. what we talk about in the QBRs. Are you on track? Are you on track? Mm. And also build a plan around it, right? Yes.
1: So I think actually circling back to one of the early, early questions, like if you are in planning now, done with planning, does it still make sense? I think it's very clear it does make sense. Yes. You might realize that this plan has some fundamental flaws, back mm. to the case with the whole yes. uh, sales capacity and PLG, right? Yes. You might be fundamentally screwing up yes. in your resource allocations. I think mm-hmm. that's that's super powerful, actually. Yeah. That's it. So
0: just kind of wrapping up and kind of going, uh, going through the conversation here. I think really number one, you know, what is a go-to market assessment? Anna's kind of helped us obviously kind of to capture that really nicely. I think we had a couple of cool, tangible stories that I think make this a bit more clear what can come out of an assessment Mm. like this. And I think lastly, and you know, we kind of sprinkle this in Mm. here and there, you know, what is really required to do it, right? Yes, you need to have some of your data under control, Mm. but you also need to be able to connect the data, have it in a context, Mm. right? And then, lastly, you need to have the capability in you know in the team that is executing this to kind of get value from this to a large degree. Right? Kind of just um, uh, if you're too junior and don't understand the, you know all these different pieces, I think it's really difficult to execute. Mm. Right? Um, but ultimately, once you do, you know, really really cool uh, improvements that you can find here coming out for the business that can be strategic. Yes. And then I think that ultimately also elevates your profile in the organization. 100%. right?
1: wonderful and i think if you're considering doing such as an assessment feel free to reach out we have anas on the team who we're just going to bunch you over to or tony i mean he can get it done what's his (laughs) words
0: if he asks really nicely i i'll be on those calls yeah (laughs) Anas,
1: thanks so much for joining us it was a pleasure thanks Anas. thanks thanks, michael and thanks everyone for listening bye-bye